This is PhotoBizX, episode number 552, and today we are talking numbers, finance, budgeting, cost of goods sold, all the things that you need to know about running a successful business that might have you squirming in your seat because you don't really understand them or you don't understand them from a financial expert's perspective. Well, you're in luck because today's interview features Danielle Hendon of Four Corners CFO. She is a financial advisor to small business operators and her background is corporate finance and accounting. And she is going to dispel a lot of myths, uncover a ton of truths and set you straight on the numbers that you need to know to run a successful photography business. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And I can promise you are going to love today's episode with Danielle, even if you are not a fan of numbers, you don't like numbers, you don't like working with numbers, but you know how important they are to run a successful business. Danielle breaks it all down. She challenges me a lot, and I'm guessing the way I think about money and running a business may be similar to you. Maybe not. I'll be interested to hear your feedback on this one and on the views and ideas that Danielle presents. That's coming up in just a minute. Before we do get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Josh Beaton, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. Josh is the photographer behind the Tween Esteem Project. It's a non-profit organization that he's set up with his wife to run alongside his photography business. It was really an eye-opening interview for me. The feedback from listeners has been fantastic. I, I wasn't aware of the things that you could do with a non-profit, exactly how they work, how you can still profit as a photographer if you have a non-profit or work for a non-profit. Yeah, it was an eye-opening interview. A ton of great things were shared by Josh about running a successful business in addition to the way he's helping teens and tweens who are struggling through life. So a ton of takeaways from that one. Get back and have a listen to Josh's interview last week and make sure you check out his photography. It really is fantastic and different to what you might expect from a traditional boudoir slash glamour photographer and when I say boudoir all of his models are fully dressed so it's a different approach to that style of photography altogether I think you'll love it you're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich photobizx.com just quickly before we do jump into this interview with Danielle if you are struggling to close sales in your business if you're struggling to make good sales if you're struggling in your ordering or purchasing appointments I have you covered with an upcoming masterclass with Audra Harris Audra runs the company focus on your photos she presented some training a couple of months ago on converting your leads the other part of her business is making sales for her photographer clients. So what you can do is hire Audra to represent you and your photography business and sell to your clients. So you would do the sessions and then she would get in contact or her team would get in contact with your clients and do a Zoom sales session. Why that is so 
relevant to us, to you, is the fact that she has been able to sell over $5 million US worth of photography goods and digital files since starting her business four years ago. And not only does she make these sales, she teaches her staff to make these sales. And she's going to be teaching us exactly what she teaches her staff on how to sell. So this masterclass is happening at the end of the month. All the details are in the show notes, or if you go to photobizx.com forward slash sales, you'll get the rundown on the masterclass. There are some great bonuses involved in addition to the fantastic course content. If you can't make the live training, there'll be a recording. You'll have permanent access to that and all the accompanying slides, PDFs, cheat sheets, and scripts. They're all going to be available to you on the photobizx.com website. I'll create a course page there for you. If you register before the live training, the cost is $197 US dollars. It's going to double after the live presentation. Plus, if you do register before the live presentation, you're also going to get access, free access to the pricing masterclass that was presented by Joel Dunn. So you can put together a profitable price list that makes sense. And then Audrey's going to show you exactly how to sell it to your clients in a systematized step-by-step way. And the beauty of this system that she's going to be presenting is she's going to show you how to get rid of the time wasters, how to structure your purchasing appointments in a step-by-step fashion so you can lead your clients through that buying process simply and easily without anxiety, without pressure, without having those butterfly sensations in your tummy when it comes to talking about money. She's going to help you overcome all those things and just make it easy to sell your work. Now, if you don't do the sales in your business or you'd like to teach someone else to do the sales, this training would also be perfect for them. Have them come along, do the course, do the training and have them sell your work for you. There could be someone that works in-house. It could be a VA, someone that's working off-site and you could have your very own Audra selling your photography to your clients for you if sales isn't something that you want to do yourself in your business, but you know you have to have it working effectively to be profitable. Again, all the details are at photobizx.com forward slash sales. You can register there. And of course, if you take the training, you don't feel like you get the value out of the training that you thought you would, you let me know and I will happily refund you 100%. No questions. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you will not hear the full interview today with Danielle. I am saving a large portion of the second half of premium members only. If you want to get the rundown on all the numbers to get a better understanding of your financials, to have a more successful and profitable business, if you want to follow along and hear everything that Danielle has to share, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. And there are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a financial advisor to small business operators. And her background is in corporate finance and accounting, which she left behind and started her own small business. And today, her goal is helping and guiding entrepreneurs to pay themselves what they're worth and continue to put more profit in their pocket every year. And she says she started her business Four Corners CFO to help other business owners take a step back from the burnout, understand their numbers, and focus on their joy and reason for serving their clients. 
Now, when we were chatting to set up this interview, she shared a list of potential topics that had me going straight to the calendar to get her scheduled. Things like key ways to manage your cash flow when your business goes through feast or famine cycles, which every photographer understands, different ways to create safety nets in your cash flow, which tasks should be completed regularly to keep your finances healthy. I am looking forward to diving in deep here. I'm talking about the lovely Danielle Hendon, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Danielle, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So tell me, CFO, Chief Financial Officer, is that right? So that's technically what it means. I like to say I am the friend next door that knows a little bit more about numbers and can help you figure it out. (laughs) Okay. So are you actually an accountant? So I am. I am a certified public accountant in the U.S. So I did all of the certification, the licensing, got my master's in accounting. I did my time in public accounting, but then I started a family and realized 80-hour work weeks and uh, newborn don't really go very well together. So being in the Houston area, if you can't tell the accent yet, I went into oil and gas after I left public accounting. And I was there with the company I was with for over a decade and loved who I worked with, loved what I did. But then they went through bankruptcy and they came out the other side and the bankers started slicing and dicing and selling everything off. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) And I'm sure like many of your listeners, that was a double-edged sword for a lot of people. It was an opportunity for what I will admit was a workaholic mom to get a different perspective of parenting and to be the, the get them to school, get them to, to practice, get to know the coaches and the friends and the teachers. And I didn't want to give that up. So I took a leap of faith and I started my business bringing kind of those big business financial concepts to small business owners in a way that they can use. And I love telling people that now instead of increasing share price, I get to increase people's livelihoods and help them build a legacy. That is amazing. Tell me when you were working with the oil and gas company that went through bankruptcy as an accountant, I mean, is any of the blame laid on your lap or could you see that happening and coming? Honestly, no. So much of that was circumstantial with some of the decisions that were made and just the pricing of oil and gas in general when everything started tanking. It was just the perfect storm for the company I was with. And what really... And I never thought I'd say I'm grateful for going through a bankruptcy with somebody. But what I realized with what I do now is I was in internal audit. So I was the one that the controller would call and say, Hey, we've only got two people left. How do you want me to do this? Because I can't do it the way we used to. So knowing how to downsize all of that to from what was a billion dollar business to I think maybe 20 people by the time that I was let go and having to really truly downsize that back office is an experience that I will never forget. And now I get to employ every day with small businesses. Wow. So who's your ideal or who's your client today? Which small businesses? I am predominantly working with service-based businesses. So people in either the professional services, the creative market that don't necessarily value their hour the way that they should and aren't necessarily paying themselves what we know that they're worth and what they deserve to pay themselves. So, and when people generally contact you to have a chat or start working with you, is it usually because they're already in trouble? So it's a little bit of both. I do have clients that come to me in what I call a cash flow crunch because As much as I love budgets, a budget's not going to make or break your business. Your bank account will. And when you start feeling it in the bank account is when you start looking for help. So I do have some clients that come to me in that phase. But I also have clients that are in the growth phase and they're looking to hire that first mini me and be able to step back from the business and figure out what can we do 
What can I afford? What can I do? What does this look like if I make these decisions? And that's where budgeting and the whole budget to actuals process is it's magic. Right. So you're not doing people's actual book work. You're showing them how to interpret their own numbers. Yep. How to read the story that those numbers are telling you. Okay. I want to get into that, but you've already said the the term or use the term cash flow. Now, as a a (laughs) non-accountant, as a creative, to me, cash flow is like money in the bank. I've got money to live on and to run my business. Is there an actual term? How do you describe cash flow? So what you said is exactly what I would say to a small business owner. It's the money in your bank. It's what's going to hit the bank and what's going to come out of the bank. When it comes to the financial side of it, you will hear a lot of accountants talk about cash flow statements. I'm going to be honest, most accountants I know don't like cash flow statements, and they are a bunch of gobbledygook mumbo jumbo to business owners. They don't make sense. But what we use with our clients is a cash flow forecast, and we set it up just like your budget. So it's all the same things that you would see in a budget, your revenue, your payroll, your cost of goods sold. And we map that out with the timing. And I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but it's kind of like when you balance your checkbook and you know you've got this check outstanding and it's not hit the bank yet, but it's going to hit the bank next month. Or a lot of business owners will put most of their expenses on their credit card, which I'm honestly a fan of as long as you pay it off. And that means this month's expenses are on next month's cash flow. And making sure you understand all of those timing components, especially for creative industries, you're going to be looking at, are they paying up front? Are they paying over time? Is it a session fee? Is it a long-term thing? Wedding photographers, especially, I see a lot of upfront payment and then like 50% later and just understanding what that looks like. So you know when the money's going to hit the bank. Right. So you need to make sure there's enough money in the bank next month for the cost that you're incurring this month. Mm-hmm. Right. So like when you said go in and look at the account and make sure there's enough money in that account to live and to run the business, when you're working with solopreneurs or sole traders, are they called the same thing in the States, a sole trader? Solopreneurs, I've heard. I haven't heard sole traders before, but I like it. Okay. So I guess that's a tax term over here. We're, we're registered as a sole trader instead of a partnership or a, a company, mm-hmm. a PTYLTD. But let's say you're working with a, a solopreneur or a sole trader. Should they have just one bank account that the family and the business and everyone uses, or must you have a separate account for the business? You absolutely should have a separate account for your business. You do not want to mix both for legal tax and good business finances. You don't want to mix business and personal. Even if you are a sole trader for you guys or what we would call a sole proprietor here in the US, you don't want to mix business and personal. First of all, it's going to confuse your financials. You're not going to know what's a business expense and what's a family expense. And when you start getting to the point where, and I'm not quite sure what you guys would call it, but we call it an S corp. So it's not quite incorporating, but you can still be a solopreneur and you can be incorporated so that you create that barrier between your business and your personal. And that way, ideally, they can't come after the other side, right? And if you, what we call pierce the veil, where you're piercing, you're going across both sides, then you can create a lot of conflict. And essentially they can say, well, if you're piercing the veil, then we're going to go after both sides. Right. Okay. So when you go to work with a solopreneur or a sole trader or a a sole proprietor, so you'll first want to see their bank account for their business and see what's in there. And then you want to look at the the statements to see what's coming in, what's going out. So uh, funny enough, 
what everyone comes to me about is cash flow, but it's actually the last thing I touch when I work with clients. The very first thing we touch is probably the least looked at financial statement, and it's the balance sheet. Because a lot of business owners are going to know their revenue. They know what money's coming in. They're looking at their P&L a little bit, and they know what's hitting their bank account. But very few people look at the balance sheet unless they're a bookkeeper. But the balance sheet is truly the foundation of your business. And from an accounting perspective, if we can reconcile everything on the balance sheet, I can trust that everything's on your profit and loss. If we can't reconcile the balance sheet, there is a strong possibility your profit and loss statement is wrong. So the balance sheet, is isn't that just a list of the outgoings and incomings? So it is what you own and what you owe is going to show up on the balance sheet. So what people owe you and what you own. So what I own as in hardware, as in actual assets? Yep. So your fixed assets will show up on the balance sheet. You might see laptops on the balance sheet. People that put their vehicles in their business will see the vehicle on the balance sheet. You will see your loans and any kind of debt that you have will show up on your balance sheet. And then anything that other people owe you along with what's in your bank account will also show up on your balance sheet. Okay. So let's say, take a car, for example. Let's say it's a, I don't know, $30,000 car and there's $500 a month repayments. So is that an asset or is that a liability? So the car, let's say the car is worth $30,000. That $30,000 is going to sit on your balance sheet as an asset. Your loan, let's say, is also $30,000, will also sit on your balance sheet as a liability. Right. So they cancel each other out. They'll cancel each other out. To the extent that they change, they will start to move. So as your car stays there, and if you're paying more on the loan I'm going to get a little technical term here, but if you're paying more on the loan than what you're amortizing or depreciating on the car, then they may start to shift and they won't totally cancel each other out. But they do, when you first purchase it, they likely will cancel each other out. Right. Okay. So is it a good idea, or it might be difficult to say, is it a good idea then to, you know, have things like a car loan, computers on uh, finance, cameras on finance, or is it better if I've got the money in the bank? to buy those things outright? That is a question that I will almost always say it depends. It depends on your goals in the business and it depends on what that balance sheet looks like in general. So part of the reason we start with the balance sheet is that's where the banks are gonna look. If you ever have to go get funding, the balance sheet essentially tells the strength of your business because it is what you own and what you owe. And theoretically, if you own more than you owe, then you look good. And that's what the banks want to see. So if you finance everything, then there's a possibility that they would say you are not very liquid, which means it's not very easy for them to make money off you if they had to. They don't want to be one of 10 things that you have to pay. Right. So you would have to sell your car. Even that wouldn't help you because it's just going to wipe out the debt. It doesn't actually Mm -hmm. give you any extra. There's no profit. Yep. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend putting things, financing things unless the other place you're going to put that money gives you a better return on investment. And when I talk return on investment, a lot of people think percentages and interest rates and things like that. Return on investment is something we look at in detail with our clients when we're looking at all the expenses on their books. And it doesn't always mean an interest rate or a percentage. A return on investment could be time in your money. It's returning time to you as the business owner that you can then spend somewhere else to make money. Or it's returning money itself. And that could be an interest. It could be in saving money. It could be in other things. 
Okay, I need a little bit more help with that one. So let's say I'm looking at buying a camera system for say it's $20,000, cameras and lenses. Mm-hmm. And I've got the money in the bank, but I've also got a home loan. And I know the home loan interest rate's pretty low. If I'm going to finance the camera gear, it's pretty high, but I've got the money in the bank. Like what's the best thing to do? I would ask you, what are your plans for that money over the next six to 12 months? Uh, nothing. So I'm going to back it up a little bit and get into some of the budget and cash flow side of it. We want to make sure we understand what those next 12 months are going to look like. And are you going to hit some of that feast or famine cycle? Do we need to have money sitting in the bank to cover your expenses during one of those famine cycles? We do not want to set you up to go below zero. I don't want you to get close to zero. We want to have enough cushion because what happens when someone starts getting really close to zero in the bank, it's not just about the money and getting money in the door. It becomes a very emotional and mental thing. You don't have the breathing room to make the best decisions for your business. So we want to make sure that you're set up and this gets into some of that safety net stuff that we were talking about. You You don't ever want to be in a place where you feel like you are scrambling to bring in business or you're going to have to close the doors. Okay. That does sound scary. Okay. So if I'm a wedding photographer or even let's say a portrait photographer, and I know that I've got less clients in winter because it's cold, we're not doing outdoor shoots, we're getting reschedules or no bookings. And I'm going to need some of that $20,000 to survive through that quiet period. That would be a mistake then to use that to buy the camera gear. Yep. And you could spread it out with financing so that it becomes part of that baseline number that you know you're going to need to pay every month, which I hope also includes paying yourself. (laughs) But that baseline number that you know you need to keep the doors open and that $20,000 will help contribute to it along with the things that you're going to make money on up until then. Okay. So back to my first, or I guess the bigger part of that question or another part of that question was, let's say the housing loan is five percent but the finance for the camera gear is ten percent like should i then should i redraw from my mortgage to buy that camera gear or should i take out finance so because i prefer to keep business and personal separate i would look for the business to finance it just because it's going to help you build business credit and it's going to give you some of that it's going to give you that separation between business and personal. Now, that's not to say if you were in a pinch and you really wanted to go do like a home equity loan, pull it out of the mortgage, add it to the mortgage. It's not the worst case scenario. You could go do that. And essentially, it would be what we call an owner's contribution to the business. So you would take the money out personally, contribute it to the business. It wouldn't necessarily be considered a loan at that point to the business. It's just money you put into the business. Right. And that would sit there then on the balance sheet that I'd have to pay that back. Not if it was a contribution. So if you did it through your personal and then you personally contributed to the business, it's actually an asset. It's cash in the bank. The loan is on your personal side and you're probably going to want to bump up your payroll or your profit distributions to cover it. But the actual money sitting in the business just looks like straight cash given. Okay. So let's say I have a great season and I've got a surplus then $20,000 or whatever I said the camera gear was worth. Can I just then give that back to myself? Is that like just owner's drawings Mm -hmm. and pay it back? Mm -hmm. And there are ways that you can set up a loan to yourself or from yourself. It just gets a little complicated. And you want to make sure you talk to a tax professional to make sure that you're going about it in a way that doesn't cause any issues for your taxes. Got it. Got it. So I feel like we've already dived in like so deep. Like, is this just normal conversation for you with clients or have I gone deeper than you normally would? (laughs) This is 
definitely a normal conversation I would have with ongoing clients. It's a little deeper than I might have with a first time like consult call. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> like it's so easy to get lost in this stuff. And this is why it's so confusing. Well, and it's why so many people put their head in the sand. And there's so much about numbers and the accounting industry is not very good at speaking plain English. And it just makes it even more complicated. And then nobody wants to talk to somebody because you feel like you're an idiot because you don't understand what they're saying back to you. And it just reiterates this cycle of people sticking their head in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand that. So when you're saying that the first thing that you would do is go to the balance sheet, is that something that MYOB or Zero or any of those accounting programs will spit out for me? Is there like a, there's a button to get my balance sheet? Yep. Or your bookkeeper should be able to run that pretty easily. Zero definitely does it. I have clients in Zero. In the US, we use a lot of QuickBooks. QuickBooks will also do that. And it'll spit out a balance sheet. But it's not just about looking at the balance sheet. It's about looking at those reconciliations that either you or your bookkeeper, I'm hoping everybody has a bookkeeper because I guarantee every photographer on here, your hour is worth more than what you would pay a bookkeeper to do it. You don't want to figure this out for yourself get a bookkeeper, have them take care of it. So the bookkeeper, that's different to an accountant, isn't it? It is. And it depends. I mean, the terms can be thrown around a little loosely. You'll find accountants that do taxes. You'll find accountants that do bookkeeping. You'll find accountants like myself that do kind of the analytics and the financial advising. Accountant is kind of a broad term, but then what we're doing might be a little bit different. A bookkeeper could also be an accountant or they could not be an accountant. Your bookkeeper may be certified in bookkeeping and not necessarily have an accounting degree. Okay. So is the bookkeeper the person who is you know, entering all the receipts and keeping a record of all the assets and the outgoings? Yep. Okay. And they're the one that will spit out the balance sheet. So when you go into a new business, let's say you go into my business, you ask me for my balance sheet. Like, when does it get the tick of approval? What are you looking for to say, yeah, Andrew, you've got a good business or, hey, we need to sit down and chat? <laughs> so one of the first things I look at on the balance sheet is actually the equity section. So on a balance sheet, you're going to see assets, liabilities, and then at the very bottom, you see equity. And a lot of times, newer businesses, and I usually see businesses that are in their first few years, newer businesses might be suffering from what I call negative equity. So you have pulled more out of the business than you've been able to put in through income and assets. And we want to fix that because that's going to be the first thing that keeps a bank from giving you what you need. And I'm a huge fan of having safety nets and a line of credit is one of the best safety nets you can get. So we want to fix that negative equity situation. Then I will ask you for access to either Zero or whatever your software that your bookkeeper is using. And I'm going to go look at the reconciliations. I want to see if cash is being reconciled. And if it is being reconciled, do we have any really old outstanding items that are sitting there that potentially tell you there's something wrong with the books? You shouldn't have outstanding items in a reconciliation that are months old. If they are, there's a possibility that it's a check somebody hasn't cashed. And I'm not sure of the laws for you guys, but here in the US, if somebody doesn't cash a check for a certain period of time, you have to send it to the state so that they can handle it as unclaimed property. So you want to make sure you're following that rule. Right. So just so I'm clear, are you talking about outstanding money that I owe or that I'm trying to recoup? That you owe. So on that cash reconciliation, what they're doing is basically saying what's in the bank matches what's in the books. And if you've written a check, it's going to show up in your books. But if they haven't cashed it, it's just going to sit there as outstanding. 
Okay, so does that happen less these days because everything's done electronically? Oh, you'd be surprised. Really? <laughs> yeah, I actually have a client where we went through this process and had to make sure we were sending money off to the state because you can get penalized here if you don't send that money to the state. So what's an example of something that I would purchase and I wouldn't get a bill for? So you would send a check to somebody. So they sent you the bill, you sent the check, it got lost in the mail or they set it down somewhere and forgot all about it and it just never got cashed. So it never hit your bank account. Right. But I'm not using, I mean, in the States, are you guys are you still using checks? Depends on what it's for. So I will give an example. I had to write a check for my, what was that? Uh, workers' compensation insurance, actually. They wanted a physical check. I had to go get, because I didn't have any. I had to go to the bank and be like, can I get a set of like three checks? <laughs> right, okay. And I had to send that off. Okay. So you're looking for any of those outstanding payments that haven't come out of my account that are due to leave. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I'm going to look at is your accounts receivable, because this is going to tell me, are we collecting the money that we're invoicing people? And if we have money sitting in like that 60 or 90 day bucket on accounts receivable, then we definitely want to make sure we're talking about your collections process. Or we want to make sure we're talking about your accounting process because it might be that your bookkeeper thinks as soon as you invoice somebody, the whole thing's due when actually 50% is due now and 50% is due in three months. And we want to make sure we've got it right. Right. Okay. That all makes sense. So after you looked at those things, what's going to put a smile on your face as an accountant? For the balance sheet, really, it's just making sure that we've got, honestly, positive equity is what puts a smile on my face. I want to get to the place where we all have positive equity because that means you own more than you owe and your business has value if you were to take it to the bank or take it to somebody else. Right. Okay. When you say it has positive values, is that a thousand dollars? Is it ten thousand? Is it a hundred thousand? Does it matter? Depends on the business, depends on your revenue size and your income size. But honestly, positive is positive. We're looking for a if you're in the black we're I'm happy. Oh okay. So if I like there'd be a lot of small business owners have a target of, say, $100,000 initially. Mm -hmm. And I know, and I'm sure you know, that if you have $100,000 turnover or revenue, you're probably only taking home fifty because the rest is going out in tax and expenses and whatever else. Yep. So if, let's say I'm turning over 100000 You just want to see that I'm positive. I want to see that you're positive. So the next step of what we do after the balance sheet is look at revenue and then we look at expense. I want to make sure in that positive that you are paying yourself. So if you aren't on payroll and it's not showing up that way, then it'll show up in your equity as profit distributions as well. Like it's going to come out. So I want to make sure we can see that in equity along with still seeing the positive. Because what it says when you have positive is that you earned more than you spent whether it's paying yourself or on expenses. And we want you to be able to grow those earnings over time. And I hate this saying, but it's true. It takes money to make money. And if you aren't putting something aside, when you get to the point where you want to hire somebody, where you want to buy the camera, where you want to do something different in your business or where you need to pivot, a lot of us saw... In the last few years, we've had to do a lot of pivoting in our business and be very adaptable and change and all of the things. Formula? That takes money, partially because of that mental aspect that we talked about. But also, when you hire somebody, they're not going to get up to speed for a month or two. Mm -hmm. And you're still paying them before they make you money. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you talk about paying yourself as a, as a sole, solopreneur, 
then is there a difference or does it matter to you if I'm just drawing out the cash as I need it for my expenses to live as opposed to paying three, four, five hundred dollars a week every week? So I see a lot of business owners pay themselves once a month. And I don't think that's a problem as long as you're paying yourself consistently. If you are going through that famine and then putting yourself through a personal famine, again, we're back to this, like you're not in a good headspace to make really great decisions for your business at that point. Right. So what's the solution then? So then we get into trying to balance cash flow. And that goes back to those safety nets. At least as far as I'm concerned, there are two safety nets that you can turn to that I like. (laughs) (laughs) The first one, savings. That is absolutely the best safety net you can build is your own safety net in savings. Setting aside the money during the feast so that you know you can cover the famine. 100% best way you can do it. But not everybody can. Not everybody is in a place where you can go through that and have the extra money to set aside. You might be in a place where you're growing and you just started out and you've got to start reinvesting all of that money right away or you're not going to be able to get to the famine. So I get it. It's not always going to sit in savings. What I love for business owners is talking to your bank or actually even better than the bank. A local credit union usually has better terms than a bank and you can create a relationship that works a little more in your favor and getting a line of credit. A line of credit is not going to cost you anything in interest unless you use it. It's not the best interest rates, but they're better than credit cards. And it doesn't hang... So many people feel the burden of credit cards. It feels heavy. It feels like you need to pay it off. A line of credit is literally set up usually to be interest-based payments with a term. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't go run it up and then expect them to let you keep using it. They're going to turn it into a term loan and tell you to pay it off. But it's really, really good for that short-term cash flow crunch. I tell my clients all the time for the feast or famine cycle, a line of credit's great because when the feast comes in next time, we can pay the line of credit down and work towards building the savings up. It's also really great for those clients that are looking to hire and you've got a couple of months that you know you're going to have to pay somebody before they're making money or you need to make payroll in general. Every business, even the most steady business, is going to see some cyclical movement and you're going to have times where things go down a little bit and you don't need to panic over the $5,000 you owe on payroll because of this one time. Just go pull it out of the line of credit, put it back when things come up. Okay. So I've never, like just the idea of a line of credit. And again, it shows maybe that I'm fearful about money and like I've never had a line of credit. And the thought of that scares me. Same as, you know, something like bridging finance or borrowing money in general. I just don't like to do it. Is it something that I should be, I mean, you're saying I shouldn't be, but like, is it normal to be scared of it? It is 100% normal. And it's part of when we're looking at that balance sheet, that first conversation I have with clients in that month, a lot of it is how do you feel about debt? If I see a bunch of debt on their books, I know they're not debt averse. But if I don't see a penny of it and they're paying those credit cards, like we don't have anything, then I want to get a better understanding of how you feel about debt and how you think about the money and the debt. Because then we can really start to get into how do we quantify that return on investment so that you can see where debt can be a good thing. Debt could be that next step for you to then exponentially grow. And if what's holding you back is the ability to make that higher, then that debt could be a really great risk. 
as an accountant, I promise you, I'm very debt averse and I'm risk averse in general. And what really helps me is to say, okay, if I take this money, let's say it's $10,000 or 20,000, let's talk about the camera. If I take the $20,000 to go buy that camera, how is that camera going to make me $20,000 this year so I can get it paid off? What am I going to do? How am I going to turn around and make sure that that benefits? What prices am I going to raise? What new packages can I offer? What new group of people can I now serve with this camera that I wasn't serving before? And having a plan. So the, the thing about debt, when you are debt averse and risk averse, is making sure that you are using it very intentionally. And then it doesn't feel so scary. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that being too risk averse would actually prevent me from growing the business. I can definitely see that. You pointed that out. When you gave me the examples of buying the camera, I think some photographers, a lot of photographers, would try and sell the idea to themselves, but deep down know, hey, I just really want the new camera. And that's where you don't just want the new toy. You need to know this new toy is going to make you more money. Right. Okay. So it has to. you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I actually need this. This is going to make a difference to my business. Mm-hmm. It's what is that return on investment? How is this going to make you more money or save time? A lot of times that investment might be in some software. I am sure your audience spends an immeasurable amount of time editing things. And if you were to find some software that took care of it and did it 10 times faster, that's going to save you so much time that then turns into money. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. So with the savings, would you always go there first before a line of credit? If you have the capacity to do it, a lot of times, and again, I work with a lot of businesses that come to me in that first, second, third, fifth year of business, like they're still pretty new. And there's a certain amount of for lack of a better way to put it, shame that comes with the like, I had to keep pulling money out to pay my bills. And now we've got this stack of credit card debt, but we're trying to do these things. And I know that this is going to work and I can see that it's working in the revenue, but we've still got this stack of debt over here. They're not in a place to comfortably start putting a ton of money in savings because that debt is giving them so much anxiety. So we want to knock that down. Right, yeah, I mean, it'd make sense to pay off that debt first rather than trying to accumulate savings. Mm-hmm. Right, but if I've got the savings to buy the camera or take out a mm-hmm. line of credit, that's where the savings would make more sense. Yes. If I didn't have credit card debt. If you've got it and you know you don't need it during the famine, like you've got it, you already know you've got enough to cover the famine. Right. Is there, is there a formula or a way to work out how much I should keep in the bank for that famine period or is it just experience? Premium members of Photobiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Daniel, I can't believe an, we've talked about numbers for an hour and I am still, I'm <laughs> enthralled. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Where can we go to learn more? Like, this is incredible. So we are going to set up a website just for you guys. It's going to be on my website. It's the number four corners, CFO.com. And then we're going to have a landing page for you guys. So it'll be backslash photo biz X dash two. Awesome. I might make it even a simpler uh, URL and I'll share that when this goes live. You know what we might do? Let's just make it photo dash four corners CFO. And I'll fix that. We'll make all that work. So what's there on that page? 
So it has a little bit about me. It's going to have how to do an expense review, one of our freebies that we offer to everybody so you can walk through that process yourself. Or if you are interested in learning more about how we offer fractional CFO services to clients, either in our one-on-one or our group membership program, you can book a completely free consult call. My goal for every consult call is that you leave with something actionable, even if that action doesn't involve me. Unreal. So is that call with you or one of your staff, one of your team members? That is with me. Unreal. Awesome. Okay. So there's details about that on that landing page? Yes. Cool. And you said the freebie that will walk us through what, how to look at a balance sheet or? Nope. So that expense conversation we just had really briefly, the required personal perks and investments, it'll walk you through that side of it and how you can find those costs you can cut. Unreal. All right. And you said fractional CFO. What does that mean? So it means I don't work for anybody on a full-time basis. I work for everybody on a part-time basis. I love it. I love it. Danielle, I'm so glad we had this chat. You're amazing. Thanks again so much for putting up with my questions and walking me through those things step by step. Thank you so much for having me and for talking about numbers. Not a lot of people want to do it. And I love every opportunity I can have to talk more about them. Awesome. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Danielle as much as I did. Danielle, if you're listening, again, thank you so much for giving up some time for sharing everything you did. You were amazing. I love the way you challenged me and my thinking about numbers and finance and business. So again, massive, massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. For you, the listener, I hope you had the same feeling as me and there were a ton of takeaways for you. If you would like to learn more from Danielle, I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes. And this week they're at photobizx.com forward slash 552. If you are a premium member, I'll be adding Danielle into our members Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there. Maybe there's a a follow-up question that you'd like to ask her. Maybe you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, or you want her to clarify something that she shared in the interview. You can do all that inside the members Facebook group. Alrighty, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I should tell you just before we do finish up, do you remember the interview with Liz Wilcox? She is the email expert. I I raved about Liz after having her on the show. I signed up for her email newsletter, which helps me write my emails every single week. Uh, You can find out more about that at photobizx.com forward slash Liz. It's a $9 membership. It's an absolute no-brainer. It's so, so good. But what I wanted to tell you or let you know is that Liz, who if you heard the interview will know is just a, a fantastic personality, she is going to be appearing on the American version, the latest version of Survivor. (laughs) I think she would be amazing on the show. I, I saw an announcement last week from her via email. I've seen it on her socials popping up. So if you're a fan of Liz Wilcox, make sure you catch this edition of Survivor. And uh, it's the US version. And of course, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with Liz, go back and have a listen to her interview because uh, it will change the way you think about email. And I think you will fall in love with her and her personality. She's, uh, she's one of a kind. She's, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. So check her out on Survivor and check her out on the podcast as well. Alrighty, that is it for me for this episode of the podcast. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy and well. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. 
If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 